guys ready for uh, part two of this message here this morning? Yeah? How many of you guys were here last week? Okay, raise your hand. Just show me real quick. We started a new series last week. Okay, so not everybody, but a lot of you guys were. So we um, are in this series called All, A-L-L. Everybody say All. And um, we're taking this, that word all is in multiple scriptures that are also up on the little sermon slide there. Um, But we had a couple weeks back just finished a two-part series on pretty much being a disciple and making disciples taken from the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And in the Great Commission, Jesus says that, hey, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them. Then he also says, teach them to obey all my commands. All right. And we were thinking about that, obeying his commands. And you know what's so cool is the, Bi- there's a, the Bible's full of different commands or things that God instructs us to do. But Jesus even went a step further, and he summarized it in the greatest commandment. Anybody thankful for his summary and making it simple for us? Okay. And so um, there's different parts that we're going to be going after over the next few weeks. But Mark 12:30 lists the greatest commandment, and that is what we are diving into over the next couple weeks. And just a reminder, here's what Jesus said. It's the greatest commandment. Just as a reminder, he says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all. Everybody say all. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So we are in kind of part two of talking about the greatest commandment, which is we're going to, last week was talking about loving God with all of our heart, and this morning is all of our soul. All right, sound good? So I'll jump back into that. I just want to give you a framework of where we're going, but let me give you a couple reminders before I start preaching about this portion of our service, okay? Our heart here, as you are here for an hour and a half on Sundays, is you are experiencing God. And we don't want you to experience God because we are doing our best effort to make you experience God. Here's what we want. I want you, in a sense, distracted like um, from what I'm saying because you're so focused and attuned with what God's doing in you. And as I preach a message, my hope is that you're not so focused in on me as the communicator, but you're, you're like tuning your spiritual ear, so to speak, to the Lord and saying, Lord, what do you want to say to me? What do you want to do to me? Every one of you, you're, if you're, you're a born-again believer, God loves you so much, cares for you, knows you, knows what you need this morning, and I, I think he wants to encourage you. I think he wants to speak to you. No matter what you did yesterday, but no matter what you, how you feel this morning, there's something I think God wants to teach you and speak to you, and I just would love for us to have an open heart to receive from him. Amen? Anybody want to receive from God today? Awesome, awesome. Then one more reminder I felt led to share with you guys. There's a little slide that has what's called five circles of a healthy church. I shared this, I think it was two or three weeks ago, but I want to put up on the screen again because I think this is helpful for us to be reminded of, especially this time of the year we often have a lot of new faces and people checking out Antioch, um, and I just wanted to remind you of a couple things. Because um, this is what we are at right now is one expression of the big picture of what it looks like to um, be a part of a healthy church. Y'all look at the screen real quick. So that first one is me and Jesus. That's talking about your own personal connection with him. And then two or three gathered. We call that here discipleship groups. So guys with guys, girls with girls, sharpening each other, encouraging each other, holding each other accountable. And then house to house, we call that life groups, where we meet um, once a week and at someone else's home or a college has some things on campus, and we are um, joining together in community to pursue the Lord together. Then that fourth one is where you're at today, the church gathered, but even things like a big worship night tonight, that's in that category. And then mission in the world, where not only do we gather to exalt God and care for one another, but we're also committed to the Great Commission, and we're going to go out and make disciples as well. 
and share our faith. So anyways, I want to remind you of this because um, if I think most of you want to be a part of a healthy church. Nod your head if that is true. All right. Woo, everybody stand on up. <laughs> stand up, stand up, stand up. All right, guys, we're at church. Shake your person next to you right now. Shake their shoulders. Are you at church today? Come on, is Jesus alive today? Shake him. Wake him up. Woo! Come on. Jesus is alive. Woo, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Sit down, sit down. All right, listen. I do that for you, all right? I appreciate the feedback, but guys, Jesus is alive today. Looks like you're not, but here we are. Come on. His spirit is in us, and it's okay to be excited at church today, okay? All right, so here we go. Uh, I don't even know what I was saying, but what was I saying? Somebody tell me. Oh, healthy church. Great. All right. Mission in the world, healthy church, five circles. Here, put that back up there. There we go. All right, now you're engaged. You're a little bit looser. All right, thank you. All right. So, um, you know, this is, most of us want to be a part of a healthy church. That's the question I asked you. There you go. All right, let me ask again. How many guys want to be a part of a healthy church? Anybody besides me? Yes, me too. Okay, and it's easy in our culture because we are very individualistic to look at this and say, okay, all right, five circles of a healthy individual. I've got my time with God. i got a little group over here. Okay, I sometimes go to somebody's house and do that. Okay, I go to church. I check that off. And then sometimes I do missions. Okay, but you see what I, what I said and kind of skimmed over? Healthy circles of a, or five circles of a healthy individual. We're so individualistic that we kind of view this as, okay, as long as I'm checking all these things off, then I'm good. But really, it's the power comes when a people, a group of people, a we commit to this it leads to so much more vibrant fruit when we are worshiping together on Sunday, but also another s- group of we meets at somebody else's house, and then somebody sitting next to you, you know, a couple days ago asked you, hey, how's your personal relationship with God? Is there any sin you need to confess? How are you really doing? Can I pray for you? And then those same people get on a plane with you and go to the Middle East to go share the gospel. That, there is power and health and vibrancy and good fruit with the people that are committed to these things. Is this making sense? And so if this is the one thing that you come to this, I mean, praise God that you are here, but I want to highly encourage you and remind you of a healthier picture of what church can be. It's not just an event on a Sunday morning, but it's a group of people committed to the same thing. And I want to invite you guys into that. And there's so much grace, and you guys have plenty of time to figure this stuff out, but we're going to keep kind of pointing you in the right direction. If you come here on Sundays only, again, you're so welcome, but take, I encourage you, take that next step and get involved in this community because I think you're missing out on the fullness of the fruit and the good fruit and the health that you could experience. So what Larry or Madeline said in that intro to Antioch in a couple weeks, that would be a great next step to go to to find out more about how to get connected here. All right, five circles of a healthy church. You guys good? Okay, let's look at the greatest commandment here, okay? So the word all, again, one more time, say all. It means all. It means everything. It means not holding anything back. I don't know what the cool kids said. They say something about full send or send it, something like that. (laughs) Okay, right? (laughs) Lindsay's laughing at me. I get all my cool words from Lindsay. Um, So however you use that phrase, that's what this means to like a millionth degree, is when we're talking about loving God with all, it means we are are full sending it. We are saying, God, you can have everything. I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm not going to play it cool just because, so, you know, it's not that cool in our culture to just be so radically passionate for Jesus. But the greatest commandment that the Lord simplifies for us, but he calls it the greatest, is go all in for me with all of your heart, all of your soul, mind, strength. 
And I want to emphasize that it's so simple, but I want to just keep reminding us that as we're talking about loving God with these different elements and aspects of our life, he's, the invitation and the command is all. One more time, say all. And guys, you were made for this. You were made for wholeheartedness in your relationship with God. You were not made for dullness in your relationship with God. You were not made for boredom in your relationship with God. How many of you guys would love to, like, not be bored in your relationship with God? be amazing. <laughs> I heard one preacher say it. He said, you know what? God's not boring. We are. <laughs> Compared to the, the glorious, infinite creator who spoke the world into existence, it's like, I, I can't do that. <laughs> it's pretty incredible that this is who God is, and we get to know him. Um, and so we were made to give him everything, but there's two things I need you to know that if we don't have these two things, we'll, we'll in a sense, never give him our all. It'll be on the screen, but one is we need revelation of the worth of Jesus or the worth of God. And number two is we will need revelation of his love. And there are two prayers from Ephesians that are up there on the screen that I want you all to see because Paul knew this was true. And as he was speaking to the Ephesian church, he's praying these prayers over them. And it's about revelation of the worth of God or the worth of Jesus. And it's about revelation of how much God loves them. And he knew that if they could, if the Lord would capture their hearts in these two things, then the outflow, the response would be loving God back with everything. Ephesians 1, 16 and 17 talks about, this is prayer. Lord, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Son of God, in the knowledge of Jesus. It's like this prayer of God, open their eyes. He even goes on to say in the next verse, Lord, enlighten or open their eyes that they would see how amazing Jesus is. How amazing is Jesus? Scale of 1 to 10. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. All right. Who said 100? Emma wins. All right. Good job, Emma. You had this moment. I will never forget this sophomore year of college when I'm at this um, prayer meeting. And um, the way they did it, they would sing like a worship song, and then they would pause for a few um, seconds or minutes and just give space for anybody that wanted to pray something. And I, uh, like maybe two or three rows behind me, during the break of a song, this girl just starts praying this prayer, and she wasn't asking God for anything. All she was doing was declaring different truths about Jesus and different scriptures that were in there. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the glorious one. You are the Alpha, and you are the Omega. Your eyes are like a flame of fire. You're so beautiful. And she just starts going off about the Lord. And I, like, I encountered the revelation of Jesus. I wasn't really expecting that, but I just got hit with, oh, my gosh, you are so glorious and so much of a, more, a bigger deal than I thought you were. And I got to my knees, and I started just shaking and trembling under really the presence of God because I don't, I don't even really ask for this. Maybe I did, like, months ago. God, show me who you are. Little prayers like that, maybe. Like, little whispers, God, show me. Who are you? Lord, I want to know you more. And then I just, boom, got hit in that prayer meeting. And um, what's so funny about the rest of that story was I was literally there to give an announcement about something, <laughs> and it, this happened right before I was supposed to give that announcement. And so the lady that was running the meeting kind of comes over to me, like, where's Mitchell? Uh, oh, kind of pokes me. Are you okay, sir? <laughs> you know, I still get the announcement. I was a mess, wiped off as much as snot. Nobody came to the meeting I was announcing because I looked crazy. Anyways, but God met with me, and I remember the next couple days I would run into different groups of my friends, and I was like, I <laughs> It's just awesome. I was already pretty 
passionate for Jesus, but then I just, I don't know what happened, but I just like shook my friends. Guys, do you realize Jesus is a much bigger deal than we thought he was? And they're like, yeah, Mitchell, see ya. <laughs> and I was like, but man, I will never forget that. What if we all left the presence of God with that revelation? What if we left church like, oh, oh, he's not a side thing. He spoke the world into existence. I'm breathing because he's holding me together right now. Who, and, and yet you invite me into relationship. Who are you? You are amazing. Man, I long for that to be true of this church body, that we have that Ephesians 1, like spirit of wisdom revelation that keeps growing. Like we will ne- we are just scratching the surface of how glorious he is. For all of eternity, we're going to be in awe of who he is. And when we are in awe and have revelation of his worth, it draws us in to this greatest commandment lifestyle. The, the other thing, though, is we need revelation of his love. And I mentioned this uh, last couple weeks. First John 4:19 clearly says we can't love God or we love God because he first loves us. It starts with revelation of his love. And this other prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians is Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. And he's like, I'm bowing before the Father in whom we all came from, and I am asking that they would know the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of his love that, it says, surpasses knowledge. Everybody say surpasses knowledge. Okay. So the love of God or the truth, God loves me, is probably the easiest truth to recite. Yes? Nod your head if you believe God loves you. All right. All right. Most of us do. (laughs) Okay. But he's like, this love of God, it surpasses like a mental reciting. It goes beyond that. This love is supposed to be, in a sense, felt. Now, we don't base everything on our feelings. We don't base everything on those encounters that we have. But there is an invitation into experiencing the love of God, not just mentally agreeing with it. And if you haven't experienced the love of God in a while, my encouragement is just start praying this prayer. You don't have to, like, pray it and, like, okay, well, nothing happened, so, gosh, I'm discouraged. Like, no, keep praying it. And then I bet you over the next couple weeks, months, or however long the Lord decides, you're going to start to not just think about God's love. You're going to feel his love. You're going to experience it. It's going to begin to change you. You're going to feel more secure. You're going to feel less, um, like, worthless. You're going to feel like, I am so significant to God. You're going to stop comparing yourself as much to other people. Well, they're beautiful. Well, they're cool. Well, they're important. No, you're going to think, I'm cool. I'm handsome and uh, I'm (laughs) you know I'm important because God sees me and he loves me and so I just I want to I want to make sure this lands because a lot of what I'm doing in this series is talking about our love back to God in a sense us to him but that's not where this whole thing starts it is him to us first he came to the earth Jesus in the flesh dying for us but that wasn't just a one-time act he keeps coming to us he keeps revealing himself he keeps pouring out his love and his presence. And, it, and we are literally, 99% of this Christian walk is just responding with a little step or a little yes to what God's pouring out over us. And I just want to make sure we get that right because if we get it the other way, it's us to him, us to him, us to him. Maybe God's going to do a little bit. Ah, we're going to burn ourselves out. Just, just receive his love. And remember, God loves you not based on all the things that you can do for him. He doesn't love you based on your performance. He loves you because you are his beloved son or beloved daughter. He made you and he loves you so much. 
I think of um, a couple examples with my children. And I shared a couple last week with my daughter Arabella, but I was thinking about Micah, my eight-and-a-half-year-old son. He plays football right now. And just before his games, I'm, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was getting him dressed, putting the shoulder pads on, and, and uh, I was like, Micah, I love you, buddy. So proud of you. Hey, is my love for you going to change based on how you guys do today? He's like, no. <laughs> I said, why not? It's like, because you love me. I'm like, well, well, yeah, I love you because why? And then he finally, it's because I'm your son. I'm like, yes, amazing. So you can do amazing. You can score 100 touchdowns. You can do whatever, but I'm going to love you no matter what. It's also convenient that he scores touchdowns pretty consistently. But anyways, <laughs> first touchdown of the season, Michael Welch, you got it. Let's go. <laughs> Proud dad over here. But if he didn't score a touchdown, I still would love him, all right? Anyways, this love for God is, is this love from God to us. It's vibrant. It is, it is not dull, stoic. It, 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 is, it is affectionate. It's warm. It's real. It can be felt. And uh, he is passionate about us receiving his love. And I put this phrase up on the screen last week. I'm going to put it up again. If we want to be people that love God with all of our heart, here's, here's the truth you need to remember. There is no way to sustain a vibrant love for God without consistently receiving his vibrant love for you. His love is vibrant. It's full of energy and emotion. How much does God love you? is a good question just to keep you thinking about and, le- and meditating on. How much does he love you? Before I move on, let me, just, let me just pray that. Let me pray revelation of the worth of God over us and revelation of his love, and then we'll start talking about loving God with all of our soul. Does that sound good? All right. So, God, here we are. We just ask you in the name of Jesus. Come on, you guys agree with me. Lord, we pray that you would give us revelation of your worth, how amazingly glorious you are. And, Lord, I also pray you would give us revelation of your love. Help us understand and help us receive, help us believe how much you love us, the height, depth, width, and breadth of your love. God, thank you for who you are. Keep speaking to us today. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen, amen, amen. Okay, um, I'm going to jump into um, loving God with all of our soul, okay? Just a reminder, I'm going to keep touching on this in the next couple weeks. Um, the greatest uh, commandment is called the greatest commandment, not the great suggestion, not the great opinion. It's the greatest commandment. And so in a sense, when we talk about this kind of stuff, there's there's no wiggle room, at least that we will receive from the Lord. Um, but so I want to kind of call us to that. What did the Lord say? It's not an opinion suggestion. It's not just because this church, you know, is p- passionate or whatever. It's now, this is what he's commanded of all of his followers, okay? Uh, let's look at the soul, okay? So if we want to lear- learn to love God with all of our soul, we got to figure out what on earth is a soul, okay? So we're going to talk about that for a second. What on earth is a soul? Because heart is a little easier to understand. Strength, okay, I think I can get that mind. Okay, but what on earth is your soul? Every time I think about soul, I just, like, point here, like my belly, okay? But, but we'll talk about that and why I do that. But here we go. Here's a couple things, a couple words that's used in the Hebrew and the Greek. Cause this word is thrown throughout Scripture often. And uh, in the Hebrew, which is Old Testament, nephesh is how you say that. Everybody say nephesh. Isn't that a fun word? That is soul. In the Greek, it's the same word that we get like our psyche from. Okay, so there's a couple definitions on the screen. That which breathes, the breathing substance, the inner being of man, the breath of life, vital force which animates the body, shows itself in breathing. It's, the es- it's an essence that differs from the body and is not dissolved by death, all right? So you can look up some of those Greek words and how they're used in uh, the Old and New Testament if you want to dive a little deeper into that, but I want to show you that. 
So in a sense, your soul is you. It's the very essence of your existence. Okay, it's different than what your name is. Okay, it's different than what you look like on the outside. It's different than like your actions and what you do. It's even different than like your hobbies and what you like and what you feel. Okay, there's some interconnectedness with a lot of things. That's why it's so kind of in a sense hard to describe, but it's connected to your mind, heart, and your actions for sure. It's also connected to your personality, your will, your conscience, your motives, your attitude, even your mood. (laughs) It's the deepest place of kind of decision making. And it's the place where you kind of give the overall trajectory or trajectory of your life or your will. It's who you are and it's what you're living for. A couple ways to express what your soul is. Now, if your soul is the very essence of who you are, then it's important to remember what God says about who you are. Okay, another word that we use often for this is our identity. Okay, so if our soul has something to do with the, our very identity, and it's important to know what does God say about our identity. And there's a, um, a slide up here with the QR code. You're welcome to pull out your phone real quick right now and take a picture of this. But what this QR code gives you is what's called uh, Who I Am in Christ. It's a resource that has so many different scriptures on it. Seriously, you can do it. You can pull out your phone. It's okay. I'd rather you have this resource. It's on our website as well, but... Um, it lists off all these things about who I am as loved, as accepted, as significant, as secure. And it gives you all sorts of scriptures and little kind of one-liners. And I would encourage you to look over this, kind of renew and wash your mind with these truths of who God says that you are. Because it's really important to love God with our soul. If our soul is the very essence of who we are, let's figure out what who God says we are. I've heard of guys that, you know, they, they print it out, they memorize it. Some guys laminate it, put it in their shower, and every time they're taking a shower, they just read through this list. So there you go. There's an idea. A few of you guys do that, I know, and it's awesome, and I won't say your name. All right. So let's get a little more specific on loving God with all of our soul. All right. So there's three things I kind of want to leave you guys with that hopefully will be memorable and there's different ways we can express our love to God with all of our soul, okay? And all three of these words will be on the screen, and they all start with S. Give you a little alliteration this morning, okay? First one is surrender. Everybody say surrender. Next one is silence. Say silence. Last one is singing. Say singing. All right. So the rest of this morning, I'm going to break down these things and, and try to express how um, these can be examples of loving God with all of our soul, okay? So this first one, I'm going to read something from Mark chapter 8. You guys can turn there. If you have a Bible and you like to follow along with your hard copy Bible, once you go to Mark chapter 8, it will be on the screen in just a second. But by loving God with all of our soul, when I'm talking about that and I'm focusing on surrender, really what I mean is surrender being a letting go of your will, and an embracing of God's will. It's letting go of our will. Again, your soul is kind of connected with your will, what you really want in life. It's, it's surrendering that, and it's embracing and receiving God's will. Again, another way to say that, because I think it could be helpful for the way that we think oftentimes in America, is like letting go of your own life plan and trajectory and what you want life to look and feel like. You're letting that go, and you're embracing what God wants your life to look like and feel like and be like. You guys tracking with me? No. Okay. Well, I'll say it a couple different times. Don't worry. All right. Mark chapter 8. Here we go. Here's a little um, story from the Gospels that I think really hits on this surrender piece that Jesus was calling for his followers. Mark 8, 31 through 38. 
says he, Jesus, began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took Jesus. Remember who he's taken aside here. He says, and Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Pause. Let's just laugh at Peter for a second. <laughs> okay. Bad idea, man. Come on, Pete. All right. Verse 33. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus kind of with this, he has this interaction with Peter. You know, I'm kind of like trying to put myself in that situation. He already knows what Peter's saying is wrong. But like out of compassion for his other disciples, he's like looking around. He comes against this very strongly. It feels like this is pretty strong. Looking in his disciples, seeing his disciples, he rebukes Peter and says this. Get behind me, Satan. Woo! Exclamation point, at least in ESV. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. This is intense, okay? Um, I'm not even sure that Jesus directly called the Pharisees Satan. <laughs> okay, so he's, he's talking to one of his followers and his disciples, and he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Now, I don't think he's calling Peter Satan, but what he is saying is, Peter, the way you are thinking is actually not at all coming from the ways of God's kingdom. That is coming from Satan. That is coming from the way that he wants us to think. And let me summarize what maybe Peter was thinking was this. Jesus, your life trajectory cannot be death. Your, like what you're, where you're going in life, it can't be death. It can't be destroying you. You're the Messiah. You're the king. You're supposed to rule and reign. You're supposed to get the Romans out of here. You're supposed to take your seat in your rightful place and rule and reign. You're supposed to let, you, in a sense, your dreams are supposed to come true, Jesus. But what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, wait a minute. Though Peter may be with good intentions because he loves Jesus, <laughs> he maybe was also hoping that he would benefit from Jesus ruling and reigning. And that his life, Peter's life, would be a little bit better if, his, if Jesus' life did not end in death. Peter, let me say it this way, wanted... The American dream for Jesus, and probably a little bit for himself as well. There's a um, a leader and pastor called named Pete Gazzaro, and he has this ministry called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and he likes to say it this way: He, as followers of Jesus, like, hey, we need to make sure that we're following the crucified Jesus, not the Americanized Jesus, because we have to remember something about the life of Jesus. His perfect life, fully submitted to the Father, end in horrible crucifixion. We know the end of that story, resurrection and life. We also know more of the end of the story. He's coming back to rule and reign. Praise God. But we have to remember his, his human life ended this way. And then let me, let me make it even more dramatic for you. You have to also remember this. All of his closest followers, their life ended in death. Before... They were like in their 80s, maybe with the exception of John. Okay, think about this. Soak it up for a second. We have our American dream idea of what our life will look like. And oftentimes God loves to bless us and give us some of the dreams and desires of our heart. However, we must still learn to lay our will down and saying, God, I am embracing whatever you have for my life because what matters more than me getting my dreams come true is your dreams 
coming true through my life. This is a hard teaching. Or it's, in a sense, easy to say with words, but this is hard to live out. Because we are taught from such a young age, you know, in a sense, just get whatever you want. Just climb the ladder. Just keep going this direction. But if we want to love God with our soul, the very essence of who we are, we must start with surrender. I'm going to keep reading in verse 34 because he turns this into a teaching moment. He says, he calls the crowd to him with his disciples, and he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life, or some translations say soul, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man, get this, to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now, this was hard for the disciples to hear. And so if it's hard for us to, s- to hear, it's okay. We're in great company. The Lord knows it's hard. But he, is, he cares for us and wants to share these hard scriptures with us to set us up for success. Because if we continue to live with our will and our desires first, we're going to continue to be bumping our head against life's walls because things aren't working out. And here's the decision that we have to make one day. We're going to decide... Does God exist for me, or do I exist for God? You will consistently be banging your head against life's walls if you get this backwards, always trying to get God to do things your way. And this is, again, very hard for me. I think of the area of just just comfort and ease and peace. I really like things in my life kind of going the way I plan for them to go. I really like things being... Yeah, comfortable and easy. Anybody besides me, just like, just chilling. Like, everything's just great. It's just amazing. I feel so peaceful. My body feels great. My relationships are great. Man, this is awesome. Anybody else? Just me. Okay, so here you go. I'm confessing all my sin to you guys. And a good example uh, recently is like when I get hurt or when I have injuries, okay? And I, I've had a few injuries in my day, all right? Someone reminded me recently, a couple days ago, a life group that he pretty much said, hey, Mitchell, remember that boot? And I was like, yes, if you weren't familiar, beginning of 2021, I tore my Achilles in my calf playing basketball. I won, but anyways, uh, <laughs> actually, no, I didn't. Uh, and and uh, it was just it was a really bad injury. Even this week, preparing this message, um, randomly, unfortunately, on Monday, I woke up with this horrible crick in my neck and my left shoulder blade right here, and it's been bothering me all week. So thankful that I was able to, I had to preach this message about surrendering my desire and will for my circumstances to be perfect, because what it was was this opportunity to not get, be so angry and frustrated at God, but I'm contending for healing, Lord heal me, any of you are welcome to pray over me for healing, sounds great, still kind of bothering me a little bit, but the reality is it's like, well, I'm not healed right now, Lord, but I'm still going to love you, I'm still going to give you my heart and my soul, even though it feels weak, even though I'm more irritable because of this stuff going on, but Lord, I'm, st- I'm still setting my heart, I'm surrendering my will and desire to be healthy and feel great, and I'm submitting to your will. Maybe there's something you want to do in me through this hardship this week. And it was hard to get there to that mindset, but that's why I'm married. My wife reminded me, stop complaining and just see what God's doing in your life. All right. <laughs> a little different than that. She was a lot nicer. But um, 
hopefully this is making sense. Is this is all kind of examples of how we live surrendered, and it's a way to like submit and trust our soul to the Lord. And guys, he will help us. So whatever, there's my weakness. Whatever your weakness is, just say, just commit. Like even though I would like things to look and feel a certain way, I'm going to submit and surrender my will to the Lord because that is a way that we can love him with all of our soul. All right, let's keep going. These last two, go a little quicker on these. Um, next way we can love God with all of our soul is in silence. Everybody say silence. Okay, what I mean by this is being quiet, being still, getting alone with God listening to God you know this is a form of loving God actively but I would even say this is a form of clearing out our soul so that we can love him a little bit better which reminds of a couple of psalms psalm 62 verse uh, 1 and 2 says for God alone my soul waits in silence from him comes my salvation he alone is my rock and my salvation my fortress I shall not be greatly shaken and a couple verses down, verse 5, says, For God alone, my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. And that's some good truths right there. That place of silence and stillness is another word I could have used there. Is a place where we clear out all the other distractions and all the other noise and we're able to remember who God is, to be still before him. A lot of you are familiar with Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in all the earth. It's a way for us to still ourselves so that we can get clear some things out so that we can be in tune with the Lord. And guys, this is very countercultural, okay, because 24-7, most of us have a phone on us. And um, phones are great, great tool, amazing, but it's constantly calling for our attention. It's constantly, in a sense, a noise in our life. And so when I'm thinking about loving God with my soul, I don't want my soul to be continually be cluttered by what could be calling for my attention. Does that make sense? Because there is someone else who is also calling for my attention often. My children. Um, <laughs> but really, what I mean is God. He's calling for us, and just just turn your eyes to me. I'm not looking for you to do a bunch of things for me, Mitchell. Just just turn your eyes to me. I'm here. I love you. I'm with you. So very practically, my encouragement is set consistent times in your day or in your week to get alone and quiet and still, no noise, no phone, and just be before the Lord. One of the ways that looks like for me often is trying to go outside at night after the kids are in bed. So, you know, midnight, and uh, <laughs> just kidding, sometimes it's in the eights. But anyways, uh, it's going outside, looking up at the stars, and just like, wow, God, you created this. Not pulling out my app that tells me all these different constellations, <laughs> okay, but it's just like, Lord, wow, you're amazing. So I encourage you to do something like that. You guys go with silence? Yeah? Awesome. Hey, even in Revelation, I forget what chapter, Revelation, maybe chapter 9, the very first verse, it says, uh, there was silence in heaven for about 30 minutes. Read it. Pretty interesting. Pretty cool. Pretty crazy. All right, last one. Ben, go ahead and come on back up. Last one here that I want to talk about is singing. Everybody say singing. Singing. All right, so instead of singing, I could have put shouting. All right, what I really mean is worship, but worship doesn't start with the S. So uh, <laughs> singing, shouting, okay? Um, 
worshiping the Lord is a way that we can love God with the very essence of who we are. Psalm 71, 23 says it this way. My lips will shout. Everybody say shout. My lips will shout for joy when I sing. Say sing. Sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. So singing, shouting, declaring who God is the way to express our love with our soul. Of course, we're using our lips. We're using our voice. We have to think about what we're saying. But singing, really, worship comes from a deeper place in our soul. I even think about Psalm 103, which we often will read before worship. It's that psalm that says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, and forget not all of his benefits. And he goes on talking about the forgiveness of our sins, the healing of our diseases, his redemption in our life. He crowns us, all these things. So worship or singing, shouting before the Lord comes from a deeper place of our soul. And it's a way that we can worship him with our soul. And one more comment I want to say about singing or about worshiping is we don't just sing or worship based on how we feel. We don't sing or worship based on how we feel. I don't know about you, but I often have that struggle. Sometimes I feel like singing, and I definitely don't feel like singing. Anybody have moments like that? <laughs> All right. Now, I'm not saying that every situation in your life is perfect and awesome, and you should sing always 24-7, because there are times to mourn and to grieve and to weep. Okay, but particularly if we're talking about loving God with our soul, and we're talking about singing and shouting and worshiping, our worship needs to come from a deeper place than our feelings. Because we don't sing to God because we're feeling good. We sing to God because he's worthy. And his worth never changes any second of the day. We can shout, you are good. We can shout, thank you, any moment of our day because that we're, it, we're, we're coming from a place of, this is about you, Lord. It's not about how I feel. I'm singing, I'm declaring, this is a way that we can choose deeper down, deeper than our emotions, deeper than our feelings, and our soul, we're going to choose, I'm going to love you, Lord, with my soul. No matter my circumstances, no matter what's going on, Lord, I'm going to sing to you. I'm going to bless your name because you are worthy. Everybody say, God is worthy. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to have time to respond. Let's just think about that for a second. Close your eyes for a minute. Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy, Lord. Lord, we do. We want to be a people that love you with all of our soul. So, Lord, would you help us? Help us live a life of surrender. Help us incorporate silence in our life. Help us sing to you because you are worthy. Lord, we'd say this morning, you can have all of our soul.